Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Hamilton is a step closer to clearing away more homeless encampments. What's going to happen on the site of the former Hamilton Psychiatric Hospital? Researchers at McMaster University are studying transit options for older adults and immigrants. Home builders calling for fundamental change to cool off the housing market. We speak with Sarah and Brian Baumler about season four of Island of Brian. And do you know when the pillow was invented? The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. The duty of care for these folks is on all of you. It's on all of us. But as elected members of council, it is on you. Taking care of our most vulnerable neighbors in a way that we take care of our own friends and family is a way of showing people what Hamilton is really about. Welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with you. Just two of dozens of people who appeared virtually before Hamilton's planning committee uh, back on Tuesday to voice their opposition to stepped-up enforcement of homeless encampments in the city. Councillors giving initial approval to that stepped-up enforcement of those encampments at city parks and public property. And here to shine a light on what is going to be done is Jason Farr, Ward 2 Councillor with the City of Hamilton, who joins us on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, Rick, and good morning, Hamilton. What is this stepped-up enforcement going to look like? Like every other city, every other comparator we have. I spent the uh, winter talking to many, and uh, from Kitchener to Barrie to London to Brantford, many, many others, and uh, certainly staff have uh, done outreach as well. But uh, basically, uh, um, you know, expediting enforcement, not letting encampments be entrenched in city parks that are for everyone, frankly. So once the city gets a call to say, hey, there's a tent encampment at, you know, said park or or public property, uh, the city is going to react within, I think it's 72 hours? Yeah, within 72, between 12 and 72 hours, if not sooner in some cases, I would suspect if uh, we're able to, to manage, because we will manage in the same ways that many of these other cities I'm speaking to have uh, have managed this file, and that's sensitively. There's still outreach involved. There's still opportunities that are going to be uh, shared with uh, folks, and we're hoping that, uh, um, you know, the, the folks that choose uh, this inhumane, unsafe way uh, to live with an expedited process will be a little more inclined to take those opportunities, Rick. So why take this more aggressive approach, and why do it now? We can't be the only city, Rick. We can't. We just can't. Uh, we just had a houseless count. This is one example. This is just one. We we, we spent close to five hours uh, at planning committee on Tuesday providing several examples of why, but Here's just one. Uh, We did our our national houseless count in uh, November. About 540 homeless individuals responded. It's a survey. In the survey, about 20-25% of those encamped answered the question, how long have you lived in Hamilton? And that answer was, in less than a year, they've come to this city. Uh, We've had uh, uh, comments in public meetings from staff sergeants who've done outreach for 10 years or more in the city that have said, you know, the word is out, folks are coming here. We don't have in our mandate with the city of Hamilton, anything related to um, a program that enhances or entrenches encampments and parks. We have a housing first policy, and I'm glad you played the tips off the, 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 the clips off the top, Rick, because nobody does it better. That was also a point made uh, several times throughout the day, and uh, I've made it several times throughout the year or two years. Nobody does housing and homelessness better than Hamilton, and nobody of the 44 delegates, I think it was maybe 40 delegates, question that um and so you know we do 
our work very well. We are nationally recognized. And, you know, while I, you know, I read The Spectator again this morning, and we keep seeing this stat that, you know, there's some 400 people we're interacted with through Outreach in 81. We were able to find houses worth four back in January through October in 2020. The reality is we've housed close to 1,060 houseless individuals we found homes for, and that's our housing first strategy. We work with great partners, Mission Services, over 200 uh, housing opportunities uh, uh, were provided to houseless individuals thanks to their collaboration with with the city of Hamilton and our award-winning or nationally recognized housing and homelessness uh, outreach folks. And, and is that permanent housing options? And is yep. are there enough out there? Yeah. Well, I mean, this is the issue, right? I mean, it, it's a it, it's. It, it's very difficult when you are the only city and you're welcoming more and more of this kind of activity from regions outside of our city, all regions outside of our city, potentially. Um, it's hard to keep up. I will admit to that. I mean, it was a lot easier to answer that question about a year ago because we could keep pace, but it is difficult. I mean, it, it, this housing crisis is not exclusive to Hamilton. It's well recorded and recognized and part of political campaigns at all levels now. So everyone recognizes that. But the reality is, at some point, you have to take into account uh, the fact of you know why this city, like every other city, has a bylaw that prohibits this kind of activity in parks. And the reasons are, are, are very obvious, and the impacts are very, very real. Councillor Farr, we will have to leave it there. Thank you very much for your time today. I thank you, Rick. That is Jason Farr, Ward 2 Councillor, City of Hamilton. Our Twitter poll question of the day yesterday focused on this topic, and we asked you, do you support stepped-up enforcement of homeless encampments in Hamilton parks? 54% said yes, 46% said no. I, I, I myself would be in the yes category because I want to see these people in permanent housing. I want to see them in a better situation. I do not want to see them in a tent at a park or on public property. I think there's a better, a much better and healthier option out there. And let's hope they find that very, very soon. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. The Ontario government announcing new details about its plans for the Mountain Brow site that uh, currently is being occupied by the former Hamilton Psychiatric Hospital. You know that spooky old building up on the hill? Yeah, the province is uh, now looking at uh, plans to develop that area. John Paul Danko is our guest now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Councillor Danko, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. Thanks for having me on. So what does the province plan to do with all this land up there? Well, their announcement recently was for a long-term care facility, which is something that we at the city completely support. We need more long-term care beds in the city of Hamilton, and it's an institutional and employment use that uh, is within the vision that we've always had for that property. So we completely support the province on their announcement for long-term care facilities. The bigger question is what the province is going to do with the rest of the property. I believe it's about 12 uh, hectares of land there. And there's a few questions. So first is what's going to happen with Century Manor, one of the most important heritage properties in the city. Mohawk College originally was going to take over this land and use it as part of their Fennel campus, part of their master plan to expand their campus. And uh, Mohawk, again, is one of the biggest, most important employers, uh, in Ward 8 anyway, and across the city. It's a globally recognized college. So we're really concerned about how Mohawk is going to be involved. 
And then originally the city's vision for this property was as an institutional and a commercial employment center. It's going to be on a future light rail transit uh, hub on a uh, station at Mohawk. And we really saw it as, um, as an employment center along with a connection to the brow. And because of the minister's zoning order, the biggest concern that we have is what happens with the rest of the property, because it can be developed to very intensive residential development up to 18 stories. Wow. So that would certainly change the skyline up on the hill, that is for sure. Is, is affordable housing at all in this conversation uh, with this other parcel of land? Not with the province. Again, that was a deal that the city had in place previously with the uh, the previous provincial government that uh, involved the affordable housing component. So again, something that's top of mind for residents right now in Hamilton, of course, is the cost of uh, housing. Um, and we desperately need more affordable housing options for, for residents. And, and that was, again, one of the things that was part of the plan that the uh, the current government uh, you know basically uh, scrapped. And as far as I know, there is no affordable housing component in the current uh, plans for the site. Uh, you mentioned that the city has long envisioned this uh, parcel of land as an institutional and employment hub. Would that be, mean like a business park or maybe uh, something similar to a McMaster Innovation Park? What is that vision? Well, we already have St. Joseph's West Fifth Campus on uh, adjacent to the site. Mohawk College is across the street. So we saw that as um, two anchor institutions in the city, Hamilton, being able to expand to institutional and healthcare-focused businesses. So sort of a, a healthcare business park uh, was kind of the vision, along with access to the browlands because it is um, right on the Niagara Escarpment, and it was very important for residents to continue to have access to the escarpment and not be impeded by uh, by development. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Ward 8 Councillor John Paul Danko with the City of Hamilton. We're talking about a parcel of land uh, on the mountain brow that the Ontario government plans to develop, and part of that plan is a long-term care facility for 256 residents. You mentioned the Hamilton Psychiatric Hospital. What, what's the, the, the prognosis or the synopsis behind the future of that uh, building? We're not sure because, again, the province has all the cards here, so it's really up to them. Um, Century Manor does have a heritage protection. It is a registered heritage property, so it is protected, but it's protected under provincial regulations. So if the province wanted to change or alter or, you know, cancel that heritage protection, they could do that. And I think the risk is that in order to develop it for intensive residential development, which increases the value of the property, um, there's, I think, going to be a lot of pressure to remove those heritage designations or change them in a significant way, and that's something that uh, we are very much opposed to. My guess is the province would want to do that, especially if they're thinking about building homes there or condos, apartments, whatever the case is, because no one really wants a spooky old psychiatric hospital in their backyard? Well, I think there's lots of adaptive reuse options for it. Um, it's been, when it was part of the Mohawk proposal, Mohawk was talking about using it as an educational space and re, you know, uh, adapting it for that. 
Um, it can be used for uh, residential, for condos, but you know, to the point being, it's kind of like a horror movie plot of you're you're moving into a condo in an old uh, psychiatric hospital. <laughs> so I think they need some creative architecture. We'll put it that way. What is uh, yeah? I can imagine. What is the optimal solution if you and City uh, uh, Hamilton Council had the perfect scenario for this parcel of land? What's the best thing that you'd like to see? Well, unfortunately, I think that we had that, um, but, you know, can't uh, cry over spilt milk. So our, our optimum solution would be whoever purchases this is going to be sold to the highest bidder, um, has some honest and serious conversations with the city Hamilton to understand what our vision was for the site and is respectful of the city's and, and the, the local residents' views and doesn't just come in and build 18-story high-rise towers to maximize their profits. And before I let you go, any um, inclination on when the province will announce plans for this other piece of land? Well, we've been waiting for this, uh, you know, for quite some time. We knew since the minister put a zoning order on it that it was going to be sold for, for the high, to the highest bidder. Um, so I believe the recent timeline is the fall. So, you know, we're, we're, we're just uh, in the province's hands, really. All right, Councillor Danko, thanks for joining us this morning. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks so much for having me on. Take care. You too. That is Ward 8's Councillor John Paul Danko, City of Hamilton, expressing his thoughts on this parcel of land near the St. Joe's uh, facility on uh, the mountain, West 5th and Fennel area, Mohawk College, just across the street. That is already a bustling area of activity and, and recently new development, and uh, more is going to be on the way. What it ultimately looks like, uh, obviously, other than this uh, long-term care home, remains to be seen. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. A team of McMaster University researchers is looking for ways to improve public transit for older adults and newcomers to Canada. And here to talk about it is Shaila Jamal, a PhD student in the School of Earth, Environment and Society at McMaster University. Shaila, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. Yes, I'm doing fine. Why is this an important topic to study? Um, basically, if you look into the older adult group, they are really vulnerable, especially in terms of independent mobility because of their health issues. Uh, many of them couldn't drive. So, and sometimes it's happened, especially for older women, many of them, you know, are dependent on their partner. So sometimes it happens that uh, if a partner dies, uh, it's become really hard for them to stay mobile. So this is one issue for the older adults perspective. And the second issue is with the newcomer older adults. So the transit system here is quite different. And if you are comparing the newcomer older adults who came from Asia, from that side, so it takes them, uh, let's say for them, it takes a lot of effort to learn the transit system. And if you look into the transit, and if you are using the buses here in Hamilton, you will see that uh, not that much of older immigrants are using uh, transit. So that could, could be an issue of their, you know, maybe they can't stay mobile or let's say uh, that might impact their well-being or maybe they're losing their social connections. So these are the things we actually want to ask, like what are the issues for older immigrants 
in terms of their mobility and what role Hamilton Transit can play to improve their mobility. So maybe there are few people who are actually using transit, but um, they are not finding it uh, really convenient. So they might have some suggestions. And there are some people who are actually not using transit at all. So we want to hear from them as well, like why you are not using transit. How are you going about collecting all this information? Uh, This is a part of MacMaster project, and it is funded by MacMaster Co-Design Hub from the office of the VP. So the main plan is to, at first, we want to talk with the older immigrants, and then we want to talk with the service providers, or let's say those who are involved in the settlement services. It's not about only the HSR. We want to talk with the immigrant consultants or the who are providing immigrant services, also the senior services. So we want to talk with them. And after talking with both groups, like the service providers and older immigrants, we want to create some, you know, plain language communications materials. And after that, we want to share it with the community. And the final stage of this project, we are thinking to conduct a workshop where we want both the service provider, including Hamilton Transit and the older immigrant. So sit together, discuss all the challenges they are having in terms of navigating the city or uh, using the transit and try to come up with a service improvement plan for the HSR. You're listening to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with you. Our guest is Shala Jamal, PhD student in the School of Earth, Environment and Society at McMaster University and a part of a team of researchers that's looking for ways to improve public transit for older adults and newcomers to our country. When do you envision that you will issue a final report? Final report we are targeting by the end of this year. Okay, wow. Now, will that report include some recommendations on, you know, here are the most important aspects that can be achieved, and then here's a secondary list, or how do you go about doing that? Uh, Yes, that will be actually the final output, You uh, the right thing, like it will be, there are some priorities areas we will be recommending, like, let's say these are the findings we have, and that is also came from the older immigrants, including the service providers, so this is the priority things, and this is something that has to be improved. Mm-hmm. And maybe with the workshop, we can come up with some possible solution. Like this is how this could be improved. Is there any issues that have been repeated since this research project began? Do you have a running list of some of the main topics or issues that people are talking about? First thing is actually still we have to, had a we didn't had a chance to recruit too many older immigrants, so we are still looking for participants. That's the one issue. But for the few people we interviewed, uh, very um, one of the thing is it's not about I will say it's about like using the transit, but it's mostly about accessing the transit. So many of people are talking with like like the bus stop is quite far from my residence, and sometimes maybe I am going to my church or. Uh, other religious institution or or my doctor's appointment, but where the bus actually stops, that is also far from the, my destination. Right. So, how, how many more people do you need and how can they contact you to participate? We have distributed our 
recruitment list or recruitment poster in different organization, but they can email me or contact me over the phone as well if someone is interested. And we are still looking for, let's say, around 20 to 25 people, older immigrants. We want to talk with them. So. Okay. And the email is Jamal, letter S, that's J-A-M-A-L-S, the number 16 at McMaster.ca, probably the easiest way for them to contact you and get in on uh, the fun of this project. Shyla, really appreciate your time today. Good luck with this project. And maybe when it is all done and you release some recommendations, we'll uh, reconvene and we'll talk to you at that time. Thank you, Rick. Yeah, really interested to hear the results of this study. Thanks again to Shala Jamal, PhD student in the School of Earth, Environment, and Society at McMaster University. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. We know that the price of houses has skyrocketed, especially during the pandemic. Ten years ago, if I said, hey, the average house price in Hamilton is going to be a million dollars ten years from now, you would have probably laughed off your chair. Well, that is the case. But we do know that things can be changed. It's going to take a lot of heavy lifting, of course. What that heavy lifting looks like remains to be seen. But with provincial and municipal elections on the way this year, home builders are saying, hey, now's the perfect time to implement fundamental change to cool off this housing market, to rebalance this market. Here to comment on that is the CEO of the Building Industry and Land Development Association, David Wilkes. Mr. Wilkes, welcome to the show. How are you? Good morning, Rick. I'm fantastic. What does a rebalanced housing market look like? Uh, It's bottom line, uh, pun intended, I guess, is that uh, right now we have way too much demand chasing too little supply. Uh, We need to uh, make change that will bring more supply and facilitate more supply uh, coming into the market to flatten the curve that you were describing at the top of the show where we've seen uh, affordability across the GTA and throughout the uh, province become a real problem. So, and, and this is the question that everyone is kind of wondering about, is what has to happen for communities, for home buyers to realize this rebalanced market? And what's the timeline of this? Yeah, so this will not be a quick fix. Uh, it's uh, there's uh, taken years, if you will, Rick, to get into the challenge. Um, my perspective is one from a, a greater Toronto area. My colleagues at the West End Home Builders, uh, Mike Collins Williams, will have the same perspective from a Hamilton point of view. But from a GTA, we need to be building about fifty thousand homes a year to meet current demand. We're building currently around forty thousand. So as you can see, we're we're ten thousand houses short or homes short. So we need to start making change now to begin to address that deficit. Uh, There really has been a consensus, not only amongst my colleagues within the home building association industry, uh, but we've seen uh, major banks, we've seen the housing affordability task force, all calling on governments, both provincial and municipal, to make change to add supply. And is that where the change is going to happen at the government's level? There, there needs to be a, a number of fundamental changes that both the provincial and municipal governments can and should make. Uh, we have a planning and an approval system that is uh, built really for the 1960s and 70s, for the population that we had at that time, for the housing types that we required at that time. 
we need to overhaul and, and as I've been saying, revolutionize the system, not tinker with it at the edges uh, to to meet the demands that we're expecting, the shortfill that I referred to earlier in housing. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, David Wilkes, CEO of Building Industry and Land Development Association. We're talking about uh, ways to cool off the red-hot housing market. What impact is going to be created by a rebalanced market? Is it just more supply, therefore prices will just be brought down or, or leveled off? Yeah, so there's a number of things we can do to bring on more supply, and, and we believe that is the fundamental change that we uh, 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 governments need to embrace, and we should be talking about during the elections that you referenced. It's increasing density. It's in, uh, speeding up the approval time frames. It takes... 10 to 11 years to complete a new housing project. It, it it also needs to take a look that our present system is skewed, if you will, Rick, to saying no to growth. I mean, change is difficult. We all experience that. But we need to understand that change is coming and we need to plan for it now. And, and the what we anticipate would happen uh, with more supply is a flattening of that curve. We've seen, as you indicated, dramatic increase in the home home prices because uh, we have too much demand chasing too little supply. We'll think we'll see increased choice as the market is uh, facilitating that. And as income rise over a period of time, we would anticipate the percentage of uh, uh, the income that is uh, dedicated or directed towards housing uh, would increase as decrease, excuse me, as proportion. So this this is not an overnight fix. I need to caution all listeners, but it is a fix we need to get on with now. We've got about a minute for this one, and, and it's a biggie, rising inflation. How big of a worry has it caused for the housing market? And so inflation uh, is obviously uh, with us now. We, uh, we are watching as we look at supply chain disruption, changes in cost of materials that go into um, building a home. Um, obviously, those changes come and go, but we want to make sure with those changes, we don't take our eye off the fundamental issue of increasing supply. Mr. Wilkes, appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining us and expressing your thoughts on this fundamental change that needs to happen. Always a pleasure, Rick. Thank you very much. Have a great day. You too. David Wilkes, CEO, Building Industry and Land Development Association. As he said, this is not a quick fix. This is not a a, a one-year or two-year, maybe even a five-year problem. This is going to be with us for probably the better part of a decade, if not more. Can't build a house overnight, and uh, that red tape ultimately has to be cut and cut quickly. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. It's that time of the year. You know, spring is sprung. People are thinking, hmm, now this kitchen can do with a redo. Maybe this is the year we redo our basement. As we have this thought in our mind, we should point you to HGTV because season four of the hit show Island of Brian premieres this Sunday night at 10 p.m. And it might give you a few ideas on what you can do with your home. Joining us now are HGTV superstars Sarah and Brian Baumler. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. We're good. The, the other thing, you know, watching the show may do is just convince you not to redo your kitchen and to spend uh, a couple of months down in the Caribbean. That there, There's that idea as well. Uh, l- let's go ladies first here. Sarah, we'll start with you with season four of Island of Brian. Uh, we're going to see you two set up a new home base in Florida. What's that been like? <laughs> well, that has been like the year a lot of people have had. We have had some hurdles along the way, but 
for us, really, we decided to take some time that since the hotel was open and operational and really kind of set up camp, as we say, um, in Florida for the ease and convenience of traveling back and forth with the hotel and just uh, provide a little bit of stability for our family life. Now, Brian, we know that the house that you ultimately choose in Florida needs a little bit of work, but there's an interesting component to this home as well, and it offers you a quick transport to and from your resorts in the Bahamas. Tell us about it. Uh, for sure. We we always tend to choose the, the turd in the neighborhood that needs a little bit of work. This <laughs> this house is actually in a fly-in community, which is which is really interesting. There's a hangar attached to the house, and we have a communal runway. So I ended up finishing my pilot's license and getting a little airplane. Now, that you know, some people will say well, that's shocking. That's this huge expense. But for about half the price of buying a, a tear-down uh, townhome in Toronto, uh, we bought this house in Florida. So it's convenient to travel back and forth to Canada. It's great for the island. Uh, but yes, it needs a lot of work. Our guests on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Sarah and Brian Baumler, HGTV superstar. Season four of their hit show, Island of Brian, premieres this Sunday night at 10. Now, your island resort in the Bahamas has indeed survived the COVID-19 pandemic, which is awesome. But what do you miss about being on the island on a day-to-day basis? Oh, <laughs> The beach. The ocean. Yeah, putting your feet in that water every day. There's something There's something to be said about the water and its calming effects, that's for sure. One great thing, though, I think variety is the spice of life, and we've learned that. You know, being in one place for too long, you, you really get used to that place. And it's, you know, it's like people living in Hamilton or Toronto. You don't tend to get out and see the local sites as much as you'd want to. You know, by taking some time away from a place, uh, and, of course, you know, having spent time now in Bahamas and Florida, uh, there, there's things that draw you back to back home uh, to Canada to, that you want to see and and experience, and the same holds true for the island. So a little bit of distance creates clarity and perspective. That's a good point, Sarah. We'll uh, end uh, this uh, segment with you because I know we're pressed for time here. Uh, you have four kids: Lincoln, Quinton, Charlotte, Josephine. Man, they're growing up fast. What do they think of the move to Florida? <laughs> well, one of them is sitting right here with us this morning, <laughs> and the other one's still in bed. Um, the two older ones, well. <laughs> But you know what, they've really, I think as Brian said, they've really enjoyed the, the move, but what they've enjoyed is seeing the different places, different countries. And we've realized how important that is to instill in our children. They've each found sort of a newfound hobby, Link's loving to do his wakeboarding, you know, Quentin's getting his riding. So like children, they adapt to the environment they're in, meet new people, and that's what the experiences are all about. It's been great to see them growing up on the show as well, and it's always great to see you two uh, interact with each other in unique and interesting ways. It makes for great TV. Best of luck with the show going forward, and um, uh, hopefully the home base in Florida uh, does wonders for you guys as well. Thanks, Thanks, man. Thanks so much. Have a great day. You too. That's Sarah and Brian Baumler, HGTV Superstars, Island of Brian Season 4. And this is interesting. It's a two-part kind of process. It premieres this Sunday uh, on HGTV Canada, also available to stream on Stack TV and available through Amazon Prime. Uh, first eight episodes will happen this spring. Episodes 9 through 16 will be broadcast this fall. So the steamy conclusion to Island of Brian, Brian Season 4 will actually happen this fall. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. It is one of the items in our life that many of us take for granted. That is until we need a new one. Use it each and every day, primarily at night. It comes in all sorts of shapes and sizes, textures and colors, and some people even use it to accessorize things. It's the pillow. 
But when was the pillow first used? Pillow talk, pillow talk. Another night I hear myself talk, 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 talk. Wonder how it would be to have someone to pillow talk with me. I wonder how, I wonder who. Pillow talk, pillow talk. Another night of being alone with talk, talk, talk. When it's all said and done, two heads together can be better than Oh, I gotta love Doris Day. The history of the pillow dates back about 9,000 years ago in Mesopotamia. Yeah, around 7,000 BC. Pillows were actually stones, believe it or not. They obviously weren't the most comfortable thing, especially compared to pillows nowadays. But they were used by only wealthy Mesopotamians to keep their heads elevated to avoid insects crawling into their mouths ears and noses you don't want that they wanted to protect their head as well because it was seen as the spiritual center of their bodies over the years pillows didn't get all that more comfortable in ancient egypt pharaohs used pillows made out of wood later on chinese pillows were made of porcelain or bamboo or precious metals like bronze or jade again uncomfortable the ancient greeks came along and discovered that they could get a much better night's sleep with a pillow made of straw and feathered down but it wasn't until the industrial revolution that pillows began to be mass-produced offering everyone a comfy place to rest their head and here's a bonus fact if you have a down-filled pillow they usually last about 10 years before you need to replace it for a better sleeping results and now you know thanks for listening to the good morning hamilton podcast you can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 5 30 to 9 on 900 chml and online at 900 chml.com the good morning hamilton podcast is available on apple podcast google podcast and wherever you get your favorite podcast i'm rick samprin thanks again for listening and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast it's free so you never miss an episode and make sure you rate and review